The IOC launches a campaign to bring light to refugee camps. I'm Around the Rings editor Ed Hula. Thanks for joining us on this edition of ATR Radio. Today we're talking about the new branding campaign of the IOC ahead of the 2018 Winter Olympic Games in Pyeongchang. It's called Become the Light. And it's a campaign that's more than just a, a new series of videos with a, an Olympic theme, as is uh, customary ahead of an Olympic Games. Become the Light is a slogan that refers to the inspiration delivered by Olympians, which are depicted in the TV spots produced for the campaign. But the campaign also encourages people to become active and share that activity through the Olympic Channel activity that can be measured by a Fitbit or other type of exercise monitor. Uh, the results of that activity will actually be used by the IOC as the basis for contributions it will make to bring solar-powered lighting solutions to a refugee camp in Rwanda. Uh, joining us to talk to us more about the Become the Light campaign is Becky Edwards, IOC Director of Strategic Communications, Thanks very much for joining us today on Around the Rings Radio, Becky. Thanks for having me, Ed. I'm I'm feeling a little bit self-conscious because you have a great radio voice. Well, yours, and is, I'm not sure I'm not sure I can hold up, yeah. but I'll, I'll try my best. You're 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 coming across loud and clear on the radio today. <laughs> uh, first, uh, th- this campaign. Uh, where did it start from? Who came up with this idea of become the light? How long has this been in production? You know, I mean, I guess you you could kind of say, Ed, that it's been in production for over 20 years because that's the length that the IOC has had a commitment and to refugees around the world and collaborating with UNHCR. But more specifically, when you talk about the creative concept that's led ultimately to the campaign, which you just eloquently described, I'd say the conversation started right after Rio. So there was obviously a spotlight on the plight of refugees, and and we wanted to build on that. The spotlight, of course, being the refugee team that competed uh, successfully in Rio. And so building on that um, brought in a couple of agencies, publicists and and Polk in London, and wanted them to think think with us about how we could build on that momentum and, and planning ahead for the for the campaign timing that's typical pre-games how we could shine a light as it were on this topic and build on the enthusiasm and also hopefully inspire some people yeah this i guess you you started work with the ioc earlier this year so this was in progress when you came aboard i assume it was. So this is like one of those happy occasions where you get to come in and, and share in the benefits of everyone else's hard work. Yeah. But it, it, isn't, it was, in fact, well underway before I joined in June. So I was lucky enough to see um, the later stages of the creative process um, and a team you know, that was working across the IOC, so not just strategic communications, marketing, branding, um, even, you know, sports department, because obviously it features uh, each of the winter sports. Um, so there was, a, there was a very collaborative ap- approach to this, and I got to witness the tail end of that process and then participate, obviously, in the, in the final tweaks and also how we um, partnered with the channel to make sure that we had the 
activation component uh, lockdown. Yeah, the Olympic Channel is uh, a, a big part of this campaign. Uh, in, in, as a matter of fact, you probably couldn't do it without something like the Olympic Channel backing you up. It would not be the the same sort of uh, reach and uh, availability uh, that you have with the Olympic Channel. You're so right, and I think that's a great um, way to put it, Ed, because in fact, it's a kind of a self uh, fulfilling prophecy in a kind of symbiotic relationship, right? Obviously, the channel was launched in order to bring more people into the Olympic movement and allow them to participate in sport and feel inspired mm-hmm. by uh, the games, but also everyday heroes in the in the sport world um, and live action events that the channel brings to life. But This campaign also coincides with an important development milestone for the channel, which is the Olympic Plus capability. So that is really an element of the channel that allows personalization and personal connection um, to the channel and a community of active uh, sports enthusiasts that um, we all want to be a part of, I think. And this this is how the activity that people engage in is accounted for, um, uh, tallied, if you will, kept people keep track of via the Olympic Channel, the Olympic Plus. Is that right? Exactly right. So for someone like me, I, you know, I'm a rower, but this time of year, I'm not on the water much. I have my indoor water rower and I can um, track my activity on my watch and then go through my Strava app and, you know, sign up, register through the channel, and then my points are accumulated um, visibly via the channel, and I can also compare myself to my colleagues, or maybe if there's an Olympian rower out there who's contributing their points, I'll be able to see how I'm stacking up in generating sparks uh, as compared to that that person out out in the world. Uh, Truly interactive. I mean, we hear about interactive, you think of pounding on the keyboard or pushing a button or something like that, but this is really translating, ma- making physical activity into uh, something in the, in the digital world, if you will. Yeah, and I hope creating a sense of community um, because that's where I think digital and, and the channel is, a, is the next generation of movement engagement and allowing us, like I said before, I'm a rower, so if I can feel like some in some way, shape, or form, my physical activity is connected to an Olympian out there. I mean, that's a pretty powerful motivator. And what happens with the activity that's uh, that's uh, tallied on this site? It's the basis of uh, contributions the IOC will make for lighting in uh, one particular refugee camp. Exactly right. So a spark, the terminology I was using before, is the unit of measurement, sort of, you know, in quotes, for lighting up the refugee camp. And so one step or, yeah, one step equals one spark. And there's a daily goal um, per person of 5,000 sparks. And um, we've defined four goals that will take us hopefully through the end of the games um, period at the end of February and will unlock uh, those goals, just like any good uh, gamification process, will be unlocking those milestones over the course of the next weeks and months. 
and um, letting people know what when we've achieved those milestones, what part of the camp has been lit up. And why is it the, uh, another story entirely fascinating story? It's part of the presentation of Become the Light. It's a uh, a 90 second video that explains the importance that light has in a, in a refugee camp. Um, and it's something that maybe people don't think about much, but it's a, a very, very powerful need um, in refugee camps. Tell us a little more about that. Yeah, I, I would say um, we've learned a lot over the 20 years of, of working closely with UNHCR and um, the light, uh, in real terms, light is a number one priority. Uh, based on a survey we made in refugee camps, you know, you need it for security reasons, you need it to see so you can cook, you need it to continue your work when the sun has gone down. Um, if you're a child in school, you need those extra hours when you get home to study. Um, and certainly, we hope uh, the light will help uh, kids and adults have more time to do sport. Um, so, you know, people, what we've learned is people living in camps make real hard choices given the amount of light or the limit of light they have, the natural light limit that they have in the day. And so it has a huge impact on people's lives. And, and when you think of all those activities that I just mentioned, those bring a sense of normalcy to most of our days. So it would, our hope is that in bringing light um, will enable people living in very uncertain circumstances and feeling, you know, quite vulnerable to have that sense of confidence, have that sense of security, that the, those activities, those normal activities of celebrating, working, maybe even studying or um, gathering in a public space bring. And you're working with the United Nations High Command on Refugees uh, on this project. We are, and they've been great uh, partners. And uh, if you you reference the video, but you'll see uh, Filippo Grandi there is personally invested, and there's a great team over there at UNHCR that's helped us really understand through our work with them, but even before this campaign, the impact of sport, what sport programming can do, and now ultimately how we can um, raise the level of our commitment to this light lighting issue. Uh, this is one message of the IOC at the same time you're confronting some other difficult issues uh, facing the Olympic movement, the doping controversy involving Russia, corruption allegations involving some IOC members, and and other, as I say, difficult issues. Um, how does a campaign like this help you, help the IOC communicate its message in more difficult areas like these? Does it help? I think it helps. I hope it helps because I think ultimately the campaign is a reminder of the values that underpin the Olympic movement and what likely attracts many people to watch the games is also what we'd like to remind them uh, drives our everyday activities, things that they may not be as aware of. Um, and so I know for me personally, it's what attracted me to work here. And the more employees that I meet, the more members that I meet, I understand it's a big, it's a big driver for them too, the mission, the values. And that's what the campaign is all about. I, I think the 
IOC, I know the IOC is fully committed to protecting the integrity of sport. And the message of the campaign is to remind people that sport is about building bridges. It's about bringing people together in in the spirit of friendship and and respect. And are these, uh, is this campaign supposed to help build interest in Pyeongchang or is it even a, 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 a bigger point of view than that, a bigger perspective than that? Yes, it's C, all of the above. So <laughs> absolutely the timing coincides nicely, as, as many um, people will know listening to this podcast, that there is a brand campaign a couple of months leading into the actual games um, for all games. But this time, I think we have the potential to keep the message going past the games time um, and, and making sure that People understand, as I just said, the, the, the values that they see on display in the Olympic Games continue on. And we're promoting those values 365 days a year. Uh, the Games coming to Pyeongchang in just a few months, they seem to have been plagued a bit by a lack of interest, uh, evidenced by ticket sales. Uh, maybe more promotion needs to be done. What can the IOC do between now and then to increase interest and and confidence in the 2018 Olympics in Pyeongchang? Yeah, well, I I would say this. You know, I haven't, as I said, I haven't been around for other games times, but um, I would say there is confidence in the progress that we've seen already in ticket sales. I think we're we're seeing sales continue to progress, and and Pyeongchang 2018 are confident that they're going to reach their ticketing targets. And, and given that they're looking at it vis-a-vis other buying trends in Korea, I think they've probably got a, a better basis than me, certainly, to judge. Um, the key is that we're working in partnership with them. In fact, today there was a press release out on um, progress on construction and uh, what's going on in South Korea, given um, that a lot of our team is there right now uh, working on um, the various milestones and operational um, uh, elements that they would expect to be focused on right now. So I think the partnership is strong, the progress is strong, and we continue with what we can do to drive awareness of the potential of enjoyment of games, whether you're in person or watching remotely or on the channel is or it, virtually, I should say. Is, is it important? What's more important to have people in the stands at the Olympic games or billions watching worldwide via TV? Is it become such in the media that it's, it, it's just as important to have that large audience around the world uh, than necessarily people in the grandstands? Uh, that is a question we probably need in another entire podcast to answer, but I would say this. We, we obviously watch trends in viewership and participation change just as you do. And I think what encourages us is that people are interested in participating and engaging with the games. And so long as we have that, we'll figure out, you know, what the distribution <laughs> ratios should be uh, that are optimal. But the point we focus on is making sure that there's 
overall engagement levels and growing engagement levels because that demonstrates to us that people want to engage, the values resonate with them, and they want the Olympic movement to grow and continue on and to touch their lives. And the Become the Light spots, the uh, the videos can be seen very easily on the Olympic mm-hmm. Channel. And I guess you hope around on TV stations around the world, TV rights holders around the world, that will they be available for, for the, the TV broadcasters to use. They are, and they're actually airing already in over 99 markets worldwide. So we are in, uh, we are in wide distribution. Becky Edwards, Strategic Communications Director for the IOC. Thanks very much for joining us today on Around the Rings Radio. Thanks for having me, Ed. I enjoyed my first podcast experience. And we hope you'll be back for a few more. Absolutely. And this is the latest edition of Around the Rings Radio. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Around the Rings editor Ed Hula. We'll see you next time. Thanks again. Good day.